Jennifer Zhang. Yes, Jacqueline Lopez. Ooh. Oh, hi. How are you today? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking up this high now. Father, father. Father, give me three words to describe muse. Um. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, the obvious one. Oh, Jesus. Oh, you're back. Yeah. Hello. Hi. Oh, hi. Hi, yes. Um, three words. Inspirational. One. Obvi. Obvs. Poetic. Poetic. And smoochy. Smoochy? Yeah. You everyone, love that one. Everyone There's... kissing everybody. Everybody kissing everybody. It's seven of white. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jacqueline Lopez. I'm Jennifer Zhang. And this is Seven of Wine, where we review bottles of wine and episodes of Star Trek Voyager at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. And they're smooching. Smooching all over the place. What's the point? What is the point? <laughs> oh, Bolana Torres logic. Bolana but speaking of, we have a Bolana Torres episode. This episode we are reviewing to Dizzle is Muse from the sixth season. Where she had that questionable wig. Perm. Friend. She had something going on. You have a character you've been with for so long. Mm -hmm. You want to change it up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, she wanted to shake it up a little bit. She wanted to do a little shimmy shimmy. Do a little, welcome to the brand new Bolana Torres. She comes down the stairs (laughs) like (laughs) Freddie Prince Jr. is waiting at the bottom. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. Anna Paquin's like, look what I did. Kiss me. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. But we digress. Glad we got that out of the way. Yeah. Glad we got the hair out of the way. Yeah, the hair was the elephant in the room. Oh, my gosh. And Uh, now it's... And now... (laughs) So on that note, why don't you give us a quick synopsis, Jennifer, (laughs) of of this perm... Permtastic episode. <laughs> Secondary to the importance of the hair, of course, <laughs> is, the, is the plot. Here we go. <laughs> hair <laughs> plot. Um, writing 101. Yeah, exactly. When Bellana Torres crash lands on a planet in the Delta Flyer. What? I know. She's. I think it's the Tom first. Tom Paris let her drive it? This is what happens. Rude. The, sh- <laughs> <laughs> the ship's logs inspire a young poet on that planet who makes them the subject of a play the ship's logs um and when the next installment of the voyager adventures live and on stage when that could mean the difference between peace and war on this planet it's up to surly balana to be the muse that this poet believes her to be it's cryptic a little bit, but we'll get into it. Well, because basically, will she step up to the plate? Will she be this uncomfortable thing that she doesn't want to be, which is some young kid's inspiration? Inspiration. inspiration. So yes. let's. So we're gonna break down real quick, and this is this is my huge segue. So she's a real person, mm-hmm. but she's inspiring legend. Yep. So one could argue she's a true myth. One could argue that. And those two words, very, very apt, especially together. Because uh, uh, that's the bottle of wine I picked, y'alls. Yes. It is a Chardonnay mm-hmm. from the Edna Valley Bros. It actually has a, uh, a tagline here. Her secret is patience. What the hell? And on the back, it has a quotation from Wal- Ralph Waldo Emerson. Okay, great. This gets, this gets more and more layers. This There's sucker has layers. N- no man has ever drunk this wine. That's <laughs> what I'm learning. Well, Adopt the pace of nature. Her secret is patience. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I feel, I don't know how to feel about this. But anyways, let me continue. Mother nature is intriguing and elusive, reigning with grace and beauty. There is no doubt that she is the one true myth. We respect her for the enigma that she is and honor her with this beautiful Chardonnay loaded with citrus and tropical flavors, vanilla bean, and hints of that motherfucking toasted oak. Oh, God damn it. Taste and believe. And, um, and it's, and it's a certified sustainable. So yeah. uh, these, these, no grapes were harmed in the making of this wine. Why is the oak always toasted? Why can't it be dank? Y'all, like, why can't, why can't, 
why is it got to be toasted? Why why can't Just it be that, baked? Get that musty oak in you here. You know what I mean? All right. Well, cheers, love. Ting, ting, tong. Bing, wow. bang. We got some swanky swank. All right. So there's no smell notes on this sucker. And I always forget to smell. So I'm going to smell. And uh, Jen just threw it down the hatch. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Listen, guys, it's been a long day. It's been a long day. It's funny that you ended up saying tropical notes or tropical notes. That's on the bottle. They they claim citrus and tropical flavors Mm. with vanilla bean and and hints of that fucking toasted oak. Because the thing that I immediately detected when I tasted it was something I've never actually experienced in a wine before is I'm like, this kind of tastes like coconut water. I'm actually really happy with this Chardonnay. Yeah, a decent little quaff here going I'm on. I'm very happy with this. And that's I think that's the reason, because we're trying to figure out if there's anything wrong with it. It's actually a really good table Chardonnay. Where do we open up? We open up in some wonky, wanky, crazy, like old Roman-looking ass play with a bunch of people. It's called an amphitheater. Ha- an amphitheater <laughs> with a bunch of people that look like they have like vaginas on their heads, let's face it. Friend. But these lady-lipped uh, foreheads, they're putting on a, a Roman play, a Greek play, mm-hmm. a Greek yeah. play. And, uh, and it's basically a story that has uh, familiar characters. Indeed. It's, uh, <laughs> they're acting out uh, a narrative with a character, a titled character named Bolana Torres, who crashes, um, and her companion in this adventure is ejected in a, rest, in a little space pod or whatever. Um, emergency, what do they call it? Escape pod, Escape dear. pod. What? Oh my God, this wine's already working. Girl! We're in trouble. And I'm then excited. as she lies dying, lays dying, whatever, as the character lays dying, the poet chances upon her and he says, and she told me her story. So we realize, oh my God, this is some kind of play version of what actually happened. Is Bolana dead? Yeah. So what ends up happening is we actually we're in well before we go we we get to Balana we're actually in the ending of this play it's it's a to be continued essentially and the patron of this poet and his um acting troupe the patron is very pleased with this story and wants to hear chapter two as he should because Balana Torres is very interesting Mm -hmm. and so you know he says all right well you know give me some cash money throws him a pendant off of his wife I don't know if she really wanted it or not but whatever but so he basically deuces with his acting troupe he realizes he has to come up with more story and we see him go to the wreckage of what Mm -hmm. we learn is the delta flyer and as he goes in with his like weird mushroom shaped candle Mm -hmm. we see him with a knife yeah and he's literally walking up we see hands tied Mm -hmm. and we see belana torres Mm -hmm. and she comes to and she's all cut up. Girl's cut up. Yeah. She comes to as he's approaching her arm with a knife, and she's already got multiple slashes on her arm. So, I mean, the the picture, it's not a good look. It's not a good look. No, no. You walk in on this, you walk in on this scene, and it doesn't look like good things are happening. Yeah. First off, it looks like Jurassic Park took over the Delta Flyer. Yep. I mean, there's foliage everywhere. It's just, to- the hole is torn in its side. This guy walks up to her with a knife. She's already been cut. Yeah. It's not good. She comes to and goes, WTF, mate, why don't you break me loose? And he basically calls her an eternal. Yep. Right? Which, you know, um, he, he already is... Regarding her with some reverence. Yes. So you know right away that it's not some sick fuck who's got her tied up and is torturing her. No. No, it's definitely not that. Um, And then you learn very quickly. uh, You got the hint right from the beginning that this is a primitive people as far as um, human, like, as far as, like, the advancement of humanity is concerned. Well, I mean, like they're a little yeah. farther back, but they're obviously in another quadrant, so they're not the same as humans. But they've their society has advanced to the point where now they're telling stage narratives. Exactly, in, it's, in the Roman style. Exactly, without it's, knowing who Romans are. It's ancient Greece. Yeah, it's ancient Greece yeah. set on this planet. Like that's the entirety of this planet that mm-hmm. she's she's fallen upon. Uh, so she basically goes, well, if you revere me, she gets that notion. She says, then let me go. He says, nah, because you'll bounce and mm-hmm. I don't need you to bounce. I need you to inspire my plays. Mm-hmm. So now we put the pieces together. So she's been passed out in the Delta Flyer <laughs> and this guy's been just occasionally visiting her and just cutting her arm and being like, ah, now thou shalt recover. I'll, ban- I'll, I'll leave you in the chair. She's yeah. not even lying down, y'all. Nope. She's like sitting in her chair. That he's tied her to. That he's tied her to. He's like, 
I'll make this, this, this will cure you. This is the right thing to do. He occasionally wanders in. Let me administer some medicine. Slash. Slash. (laughs) (laughs) It's ridiculous. So, of course, um, and, and, and why, why is this scene in there? Well, of course she says, look, I have a med kit. She basically instructs him to bring over, um, the skin, the dermal regenerator. Mm -hmm. What we find out is that he got the story just Mm -hmm. as we it was one of our options. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got the story from the logs. Yeah, while she was unconscious. He was poking around. He poked around. He was looking where he shouldn't have been looking. Um, rude. And he learned things that he should not have known. But he, uh, and then he plagiarized. And he plagiarized them and turned, here's the thing. If there's anything <laughs> that should be said about this is this is a story of a bad writer. <laughs> so, like, she tells him, like, oh, cut me free and I'll, I'll do what you say. You're like, nah, she isn't. No, She's she not going to, not our Bolana. No. And immediately he cuts her free. Immediately she bamboo him. She's she's crazy. She gets her phaser out, demonstrates to him what she will do to him if uh, if he does not comply, which is she vaporizes a tree branch. Yes. And he's scared. And he bounces because he's like, I don't want to be that tree branch, yo. She's like, you better run, boy. You better run. <laughs> you better run, boy. <laughs> um, so basically, you know, she's free and now she's trying to figure out how to fix the Delta Flyer. Yep, lady's getting down to business. That's yep. what she does. And uh, and so what ends up happening is uh, she's she's trying to figure out this ship. It's not working for her. The power's out, basically. And and what we learned from like the beginning of the play, what was depicted, is that we know what happened from her side, which was that the Delta Flyer was going down hard and fast. It was only her and Harry, and she put him into an escape pod. So from Bellana's perspective, Harry was uh, able to escape and, you know, fingers crossed, is on his way to Voyager to tell them where she is. Yes. Meanwhile, she's just on her own fending for herself in this uh, strange planet in the jungle. There you go. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, next day she's trying to struggle with this, with her ship, with the Delta, with the DF. The DF. It's not going well. Power's out. And of course, Poet Boy comes back because he's like, Eternal's got to eat. Yeah, he's, he does. He gives her some berries, some questionable berries. Yeah, and so, you know, and, and he's continuously prying, just continuously prying. What's Voyager? What is, what, where are you guys going? Tell me everything. Tell me everything. And, you know, and she's giving him piecemeal because she just, she, she doesn't have time for you this. Know, I'm really glad that he's doing this because if there's anything that Bolana Torres is known for, it's her infinite patience. Oh my God. <laughs> Much like true myth, the wine. Because uh, her secret is patience. She she definitely is starting to get really annoyed with him. Mm-hmm. He, like he's like, you need to tell me everything. She's like, it's impossible. And yeah. and so he brings up Tom Paris in a weird way, but I forgot how. And then well, he he has all these random questions that are just you know so random. They're random because all he got was like a glimpse, like through a peephole of what Voyager is, and he constructed a whole play around it, and everyone gobbled it up. Yeah. So he's like, oh, if he can just get like even more scraps from the actual source from the horse's mouth, he can come up with something even greater, and he can yeah. feed his acting troupe and blah blah blah. Yeah. So he's just hitting her with a shotgun blast of questions, and the one that really rankles, that really gets her, you know, on like gets Under her, her skin. out of her skin, is he's like, "Who's Tom Paris? Are you in love with him or something?" Like, and she's like, like, "No, she, fuck off." She doesn't say no, but she says like. Some I don't know what she says, but she doesn't seem to like the question. Now that's important right now because this is season six, which is that's why it it, it actually was really interesting to me because the way she reacts is just very agitated, agitated. And like what how? was so fascinating to me, at least, was you know there's an agitation that's um, that's out of someone asking you too many questions. I understand that there's an impatience mm-hmm. with that, and then there's an agitation with a loaded question that he, you really want to avoid a subject on. He hit a nerve. And he, that's it. And yeah. he hits a nerve that I was very, because it, she, he hit a nerve enough and she reacted in such a way that I actually had to take pause and figure out, uh, had to remind myself what season this was, yeah. where they are in their relationship. Yeah. It was really interesting. What's fascinating about um, Bolana and Tom's relationship is if we get real, real, real here, right? We're now getting real, real, real. Um, 
is that the the writers of the show always knew where they wanted Belana and Tom to be in their relationship. Mm. It's tough because you have this classic problem in just about any show where you have a, a romance that burns really hot and it can get really tired after a while. Yeah. Right? Like, if anyone here watches Castle, right? As soon as they made Castle and Beckett get together, that was the beginning of the end. Oh, baby girl, X-Files. The X minute Files. Mulder and Scully got together. Same thing. We were all like, well... Well, that was underwhelming voyager actually did their relationship right which is they Mm. built up all this sexual tension very volatile she would snap at him they would fight it's like will they won't they why is he putting up with this now we and then we have episodes where we see where the attraction is and it built up to day of honor this episode where they're stuck in space they're about to die and she has to confess her feelings for him and i can't (laughs) wait i can't wait for us to do this episode you are so excited and it was like a beautiful thing and we get a little bit of blue ballage at the end of that because they immediately pass out and the episode ends. Well, that's that's what happens when you declare your love for someone. Two more episodes, nothing happens. And then we get like an episode with a kiss. That's fabulous, by the way. The fact that they blue balled us for that long. Two more episodes. and then we That get, was amazing. Yeah, and then we get an episode with a kiss and the kiss is so great. It's such a good fucking kiss. <laughs> Jim, this and then we is get, working. And then we get the episode with the date. I mean, it was this was done well. However, However, this was done in season four. Mm-hmm. And we know that Voyager was, I mean, we know now that Voyager would go on for three more years. So how do they keep it spicy? Well, this is how they keep it spicy. By getting back to this episode, by dropping hints every now and then um, that things are either going well or they're not. And they don't do full episodes that are devoted to exploring Bolana and Tom's relationship because the the soup du jour of every episode is how are we getting home yeah what are we doing today to get home yeah you know what is derailing us from getting home so you you basically just see little tiny snapshots of where they are today on this episode tom and Bolana are doing fine they care about each other in this episode ooh, they just had a fight or something because it's That's chilly fantastic so right now he says he she he brings up tom um Bolana gets a little bit rankled at the the mention of him and um and, and he, uh, she basically diffuses the situation by going, look, all right, I can't get rid of you, but maybe because he does make mention before he, before he frees her that he is her servant, right? Mm-hmm. Because basically she gave him a money story that went well with his patron. Mm-hmm. So she, he, she says, look, all right, I'll tell you more, but you got to hook me up with this. Mm-hmm. And she shows him dilithium crystals. Dilithium Makes and, the world go round. And uh, he calls them winter's tears. <laughs> and she says, you get me some of this. Yep. I'll tell you more. Yep. Yep. And uh, and at first he's reluctant because he's going to get in trouble. Yeah. But you got to sacrifice some shit for your art. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now, what's funny, what's funny to me is um, this is what I, I love about Bellana because this episode is very much like it feels like a throwaway episode because the stakes as Jackie and I have discussed thank you my love Mm -hmm. um, Jackie and I have discussed um, prior to recording here is the stakes in this episode are actually very low which is why we can afford to wax poetic on some of these elements but the stakes are super low right as far as we're concerned right um Voyager, as far as we're concerned, Voyager is looking for Bolana. You know they're going to find her, right? She's alive. She's not dying of anything. She just needs to pass the time trying to fix the flyer uh, or waiting for Voyager to retrieve her. So in the meantime, there's this nuisance of this dude, this dude bro, right? This dude, this poet dude bro. And she's not invested in him, his society, his fate, his play. She doesn't give a shit, right? So when he says to her like, oh, I can get you dilithium, but it could mean my execution because I have to sneak across these sneaky planes. I gotta, it's, it, it belongs to people. I'm gonna get hurt. They're gonna, if they catch me, they're yeah. gonna cut my head off. They're gonna cut my head off. They're gonna kill me. They're gonna kill me, yo. And she's like, yeah, but I'm an eternal, so do what I say. He acquiesces to her demands. He brings back some of that dilithium. And then you kind of sit there and you're like, bitch boy, you were just fronting. Like, yeah. you didn't seem that, that messed up. And so she says he ha- she has an idea mm-hmm. for his next play. He goes to his troop and goes, the rescue yes. of Bolana Torres. See, what's, love- what's really, really lovely about all this is that, like, Bolana doesn't once interact with, like, she doesn't know what his world is. She's completely confined to the her Delta flyer because she's, she's focused. focused on fixing this damn thing. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't see the effects of what she does. When she gives him a nugget, she doesn't see him 
bring it back to his acting troupe and bestow it upon them as like a nugget of inspiration, which will be the seed from which a story will blossom. She doesn't see any That's of fascinating. this. I didn't even think about that. As far as they're all concerned, this is a fictional character that he's just conjured up in his magical little mind. Yep. And they start crafting, they start crafting a narrative. He starts writing a narrative and now we're in his world and it's hilarious. Oh my God, it's hilarious. He announces to his troupe, the the rescue of Bolana Torres, we cut to Voyager. Yeah. So what so now we're gonna see this quilted fabric of his interpretations versus the reality of what's going on. Yeah. And it's so fucking baller. So we cut to Voyager. They're all in the briefing room, and it's not looking good no. for Bolana. No, it isn't. And um like, cause they, they, they're at their wits end. They don't, they don't know how to, they're not getting any transmissions from her. They don't know. And we learn here that Harry has not come back. Where's Harry? So what, Where's Bola- Harry? what Bolana actually erroneously believes that Harry somehow made it back in the escape pod. That hasn't happened. Nope. So, uh, it's all super shitty. Um, and, <laughs> and what's really great, like what we had hinted at, uh, people don't give this show credit. That's what I'm saying, girl. They this really fucking don't. show is so fucking clever. It's, it's really ridiculous. You really have to fill in a lot of the gaps because whereas we saw that Bolana had, you know, kind of uh, bristled at the mention of Tom, so they've obviously had some kind of fight in the war room. Oh. Now he is practically, he's practically irrational in his approach his woman is missing yep and he is like pacing the floor and he tells like (laughs) in the presence of (laughs) in the presence of everyone says i will fucking get in a shuttle and just go planet to planet yeah like just do a sweep of planets until i find my woman yeah so from that you're able to ascertain that whatever spat they had that made her be like tom i'm so pissed at him right now is not something that's big. No. Because he's so in love with her that he's going to pull thrilling heroics, get in a shuttle, and like fly around like an idiot trying to find her. So now Voyager, the ship, is like just basically like uh, in, is just treading water because they're stalling the whole mission to get home, um, just holding out hope that they can somehow recover these two crew members. And the impression that you really, really get is one, Tom is at his wit's end. He he really needs to know what happened to his woman. Um, and the rest of the crew is running on fumes because they've been burning the midnight oil for eight days now trying to figure out uh, whether or not it's worth sticking around. Yeah. Could they be dead? They don't know. There's They have nothing to go on, no leads. So they have no leads. Yeah. But back on the planet... Back on the planet. Uh, poet boy, he's got some leads. Yeah, he does. He has and some leads now. He's got some leads, yo. And he's going to go he's, crazy. He's figuring out some scenes. So <laughs> we have a, a sweet scene that he's crafted mm-hmm. between... Now, again, remember, he's extrapolating bits and pieces of what Bolana has given him. And she's not giving him much. Oh, she's giving him shit. She's just giving him nuggets because it doesn't... To her, it doesn't matter what his play looks like. That's exactly it. It's very yes or no. She needs him to just go away. I feel like she very much 21 questioned this thing. Yeah. Just like, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Seven of nine. She's a she's a Borg. What are Borgs? Uh, they are like some people that operate. they're bad. They're bad. They live in a hive. They Blah. have a queen. What is Tuvok? He's a Vulcan. Vulcans have no feelings. Next question. Yeah. yeah. But so what's really interesting, and I just had this revelation right now, is very much in the same way that you and I are doing this. He becomes a fan of Voyager. Yeah, he does. And he delves into this world. <laughs> Ergo. What transpires. So he creates a scenario between Tom Paris and Seven of Nine because he finds out that Seven is an astrometrics. So she holds the key to a lot of deciphering what's in the cosmos. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, basically there's this whole situation between them. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, there's a, there's some smoke here. There was some creative license that there's he took. There's a little creative, there's a little fanfic. So he he has two of his actors act out fanfic is exactly the word. He has his <laughs> actors act out a scene where Tom um gets a report from Seven of Nine who basically tells him that she she's turned up no information to help uh them figure out where Bolana is. But in that moment of desperation, the two of them do some smooching. They do some smooch the smooching, y'all. Now here's where the drama is. This is where you get your popcorn out, is that the actress in question who's 
portraying Seven of Nine and the actor in question who's playing Tom Paris um, on this in the stage play. The actress is actually in love with the poet who's directing it. Mm-hmm. And she's getting quite annoyed that he is making her kiss somebody else. Yes. And critiquing the fact that her kiss is not believable. It's actually pretty salacious, this whole thing. It is. And yeah. aside from that, you know, it's this sense of... Um, Basically, he's not he's he's not allowing her int- uh, artistic license to whatever her interpretation is. Everybody has to be spot on. He's become he makes a- her the she, he makes her the bad guy, right? Yeah, he and he's become so obsessed mm. with his product and with his creation that he can't even see the feelings that this actress has for him. No, he's so honed in, and that pisses her off. It, yeah, so basically, he's like. Y'all need to work on this. BRB, I got to get more, quote unquote, inspiration. Yeah. He's, he heads back to the to Delta Flyer. And nobody knows that the, that Bolana, this fictional character that he's created, is a real thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So goes back there. And Bolana, sh- again, she's just continuously trying to figure out how to contact the ship. Yeah. She's relentless. I love her for it. She's yeah. like, you know what? I need a metal piece because she did try the di- the dilithium and it blew a fuse. Didn't work. So she needs to get she needs to get more parts. Yeah. So she coerces him to get her more parts. Yeah. Right. And um and what's so oh it's so fucking clever because her her gimme the reason the way her bargaining chip is he wants to find out more about the Vulcans. Yeah. She goes look and and what's so fascinating is is he goes. How does how does someone feel but not feel? And she's like, I'll tell you more about it if you get me this fucking piece of metal. Yeah. And then we cut to the fucking ship mm-hmm. and we cut to Neelix observing Tuvok. Yeah. So in this, in, in the poet's eye, uh, this Vulcan feels nothing. Feels nothing. Feels nothing. Has no compassion. And yet when we cut to Tuvok, we cut to Neelix uh, noticing Tuvok in the mess hall. Yeah. And he basically goes, bro. Have you been uh, awake for 10 for days? For 10 days? Um, you see how much Tuvok cares about Bolana. Yeah. He's been working tirelessly. Tirelessly. Yeah. yeah. Wine. So, you know, yeah. so it's 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 really touching because mm-hmm. you you see a, a side of him that is concerned and you had never anticipated it. Much like, you know, in that moment, you're kind of like Bolana where you just didn't, you didn't think he cared that much. But he yeah. does. He's invested just as much as everybody else. And she'll never know. She'll never know. Yeah. She'll never know. No, because she's just tinkering. She's hammering stuff on the planet. So we're back on the planet. Yep. And uh, and this is what you touched on earlier. So whenever we're given, uh, you know, he, again, he's he's taking fact. He's given whatever fragments, whatever shrapnel he's gotten of truth. Mm-hmm. And he's turning it with his artistic license. Mm-hmm. And his artistic license right now is he's directing his... His his people. His magnum opus. His magnum opus part dear. And so he's sitting there and he, there's a guy playing Tuvok and apparently the guy sheds a tear. Yeah. And he flips it and 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 Kellis the poet flips a table and goes, what the fuck, man? Why are you crying? Yeah. And the guy's like, because you would cry in this instant. You would instant. cry and how do you, and this is what's so great is he goes, how, you know, he actually argues on behalf of. I would argue the naysayers of what Trek is. How can you make a Vulcan devoid of emotion interesting? Yeah. And, and this, I'm so sorry to interrupt, no but the, the, the scene that he's describing is the scene that we just saw. We just saw how Ooh, to... Yes. We, how, this fucking episode's fucking smart. <laughs> Girl, I we, didn't even know that right now. Damn. We just saw the real scene of how Tuvok is handling Bolana's absence. Stop. And then we cut to the play where the guy is handling Bolana's absence by he's the guy who's portraying Tuvok is handling the absence by shedding a tear. Mind blown. Yeah. So we actually saw how it happened, and then we saw that Kellis, whatever, is actually right on the money in saying that you wouldn't cry. The reason why Vulcans are the way they are. Mm. The reason, and this is this is explored so beautifully throughout all of Star Trek. The reason why Vulcans have created a culture and a society around suppressing their emotions is that Vulcans actually feel harder than anybody else. Vulcans naturally, Jackie's going to cry. Vulcans actually, um, they historically speaking, evolutionarily, evolutionarily speaking, they feel so, so, so intensely that they have had to, and even like adolescent Vulcans have to learn how to rein in their feelings um, because the only way they can really function is to push everything down until they're 
only functioning off of logic and efficiency and just no, just logic, just logic, everything, because otherwise they would just be otherwise the, you know, otherwise they're just balls. of Otherwise they couldn't even. They couldn't even, literally. They, they can't even. Could not even. So, they can't even. Uh, I love Vulcans. Vulcans the can't even. They're the best. Vulcans can't even. So anyway, so yeah, so this is what we get with this guy who's concerned that if he doesn't get to cry, people will think that he's not a good actor. Oh my gosh. So yeah. all this, mo- this, this fucking amazing moment is ruined by an actor coming in and going, yo, this play may not even get off the ground because our patron is at war with another patron. And our young poet, romantic as he is, basically decides that, you know, if he can put on a good enough play, you know, the patron who is, you know, one of the key players in in what can or cannot be a major what could or could not be a major conflict, if he is moved by this play, he may be placated to the point where he doesn't start a war. He in his heart of hearts really truly believes that if he creates a moving enough piece of theater, mm-hmm. it will help bring about peace. So now it's getting real, right? Yeah. He's like, look, I need you need to help me, you know, diffuse this war. And she tries to throw the prime directive at him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, so that right away. She's like, nope, hands off. Uh, mm. Fuck off. Yeah. Uh, no thanks. I'm not a part of this. I don't want any, I don't want, it. like, I'm not, I cannot. And you know what? It's funny. Like, I, I like that you identified it as the prime directive. I certainly, when I heard it, I'm like, she's being a good, She's being a good Starfleet officer. You but it's because it's convenient. But it's also it also <laughs> it also happens to serve her problem. The whole like, her whole purpose is like, I give no fucks. I mean, I mean prime directive, yeah. I mean, I mean we're not allowed to. Yeah. We're not yeah. allowed to. Yeah. So it's 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 turning into a bad day for Bellana. First off, she's getting involved into something that she really doesn't want to deal with and right now. all the stuff that he's bringing her is not working no that metal plate that used to be an eight and a half by 11 and is now like a two by three it's it's too primitive it's a piece of shit it's a piece who made this fuck this noise fuck this noise god damn it where's the receipt <laughs> would like to return for store credit at least <laughs> so now she's almost inherently getting sucked into his world yeah he takes her to the amphitheater yeah. where she witnesses what she, what he has done, what he has wrought from what he has crafted from the nuggets she's given him. She had no idea um, that this bullshit that she would just give him, that he would go and take it and turn it into something. Oh, it's so fucking um, great. Which You're is absolutely a, right. Which is a bastardization. Oh, y'all. So it gets real right here. And this is when Jacqueline texted Jen and went, Jen, I want to see this play. <laughs> And so she's sitting down thing. and he shows her what he's made. <laughs> he's ahead. like, look what I've done with the characters Janeway and Chakotay. <laughs> and Janeway goes, we c- I deserve everything that everyone else gets on this ship, including love. And then she and Chakotay make out like what? And Bolana's cut to is what the fuck? Her reaction immediately afterwards is... Um, is is very very uh very balana like because the thing is he's concerned about making a story that's got drama and romance in it right and she points out you know um in a in a way that some people would argue is very masculine she says um Why? so you've made you've made a play now of the things I've told you, you've made a play where Chicote is kissing is kissing Janeway and Tom Paris is kissing seven of no. nine and Everyone's just kissing each other. They're What's smooching. The, just smooching. Smoochy. Smooch. Everyone's kissing each other. What is the point? And then we cut to Janeway's <gasps> ready right. room. That's right. To and actual Janeway's ready oh, room. Oh, and we see how this scene actually goes down in real life. And Chakotay goes, hey, we got their last transmission before they went down from a neighboring alien vessel. Mm-hmm. And we basically hear the transmission that poet guy got his inspiration off of but it doesn't name the planet it doesn't name anything so they basically have nothing to go off of Mm -hmm. except for the fact that you know she's trying to figure out if there's any way they can extrapolate any more news Mm -hmm. and so instead of this love-filled situation Mm -hmm. 
we have these two desperate people. Mm-hmm. And they're playing it very much by the books, right? Mm-hmm. And it is, it corroborates what, what, it corroborates what Bolana said. She's like, when you're dealing with the Borg, when you're dealing with life or death situations, kissing somebody else is the last thing you're thinking of. Yes. And that is exactly what we saw was that Janeway and Chakotay, their interaction, very sterile. Like very much like this is this is the mission and task at hand, and they're not kissing each other. Balana, who has no training, no concern, no interest. She's not a writer at all in narrative, right? But she knows what life is, and she knows what life on Voyager is. Yes. So when she sees this play and what he's done, um, and he's making everybody kiss her, kiss each other, she, you know, her immediate reaction is like, this isn't this. This is not going to resonate with people because it's not real. It's not real. It's the last thing that you care about when you're in the situation. So what ends up happening is she also goes, what's the point in terms of why are you trying to create so much of this romance? And so he tries to, he tries to defend his case, which I think is a very tantamount shifting point for Bellana. Because he, you realize that he's not trying to do this just out of, you know, uh, uh, you know, bells and whistles. He really is. He genuinely believes that the romance aspect is how to affect change. And he talks about the history of the amphitheater that they're in, Mm -hmm. that you, it used to be a ritualistic sacrifice temple Mm -hmm. and that it has since turned into a, a, um, a theater. Yes. Somebody temple of the arts. People had uh, in the olden times, olden times, every time they stepped foot into that space, somebody died. Mm -hmm. They would sacrifice somebody on the altar and that that it was art and it was acting that ended up having more of an effect, and so they ended up um, using that space to 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 throw plays instead of actually just murdering somebody. So that there's evolution through yeah. art, which yeah. you know, which he is desperately, de- despite the fact that he is somewhat terrible mm-hmm. at it. He is trying to be part of that legacy. Bolana actually starts to invest in his uh the success of his play exactly because she sees for the first time that um he's not just being romantic that actually this play can um alter the course of history idealist and exactly and what they what the two of them um kind of kind of craft together what they you know what they decide is going to be the best conclusion of this play is the idea that diplomacy is going to be a better tool than war. Hmm, I wonder where that also comes from. <gasps> I wonder. I wonder if Starfleet has ever... Uh, what? Uh, I, wonder if, what? I wonder if that's something that they should try maybe. When he suggests to her like, okay, what if we what if we conclude the play in such a way that you see two characters that are about to enter into a... Uh, uh, fisticuffs. A, a bloody... A, bl- a bloody conflict. Bloody fisticuffs. What if they come to an accord and find peace and it's noble and it's diplomatic yes. and there's no shame in it yes and she smiles yes Bolan is like yes you know what you, you know what kid i think you're gonna be all right you're you on know to what kid you're on to something there anyway i'm gonna go back to my ship now <laughs> uh so anyways i'm gonna go back to my ship but that was great uh work on that yeah fine-tune that she goes back to her shit <laughs> and her ship Feeling like she's changed something, she hears a little rustling, and all mm. of a sudden she realizes that jealous bitch actress. She's not alone. Oh, girl. Yeah. This, uh, so the aforementioned actress who was, you know, feeling a little butthurt over the fact that this guy that she's in love with. Obsessed. Is, keeps making her kiss a guy and keeps critiquing her kiss, and she realizes that he's more upset. He loves the play more than he'll ever love her. She's absconded in the Delta Flyer to see with her very own eyes that Blana Torres, not a true myth. Not a true myth. A real person. She done got butterflies in her hair, yo. No, and she's pissed. Girl. So she goes like, oh, you're Bolana Torres. Oh, you're you're Bolana Torres, yeah. and you're the only thing my man thinks about. Yeah. BT Dubs doesn't know she likes him, yeah. um, so kind of mea culpa, chicky. But that's yeah. not the point. The point is she goes, you show your face again. I will out you, motherfucker. Yeah, I will tell everybody that you're a real thing and blah, blah, blah. And she's saying this with, like, tears in her eyes. She's throwing a fit. She's butthurt. She's really butthurt. She's Soup's a woman. Butthurt. She is the very portrait of a woman, woman scorned. Because to her, 
before it was her man being in love with a product. And now she sees that the product is an actual woman. Bulana's like, what the fuck? And then before she has any time to think, there's a rustling and a bustling in the trees of the Delta Flyers. A lot of rustling going on. And then we go, what's going down? What's going down? And no five o'clock shadow Harry Kim comes in. Surprise, motherfucker. Surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> he comes bearing gifts. It turns out his escape pod didn't make it far, but he's used his tricorder to track the um, the chemical trail of her um, her sight, her crash. Boy Scout motherfucking extraordinaire. Yeah. Yep. He basically, and, and walked 200 kilometers to arrive here, and he has in his hand a... What? I don't know what it is. Subspace communicator because the one on the yeah. fucking Delta Flyer was fried, and he goes, look, my escape pod had one, and she goes... Oh, yeah. Harry Kim saves the day. So that is the key to basically them being able to actually send a transmission to Voyager. For the first time ever, they're able to actually make contact. So with the gift that Harry Kim has brought, now the two of them are reunited. She has a comrade in arms. They send the signal out. Now it's just a waiting game. Now it's just a matter. Now it's just a matter of Voyager getting the transmission and then beaming them out. So now we're on crunch time, right? Yeah. We got Voyager needs to pick up this subspace signal. And then we got Kellis and his milkshake needs to bring peace to the yard. That's what needs to come down. Okay? So that's la, what's happening. La, 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 la. The warlord's Something. <laughs> the play is happening. The la, play la, is happening. La la la, la la la. So we're in the back of the theater. Literally, the play is going down. And this motherfucker, because he is so fucking codependent, still hasn't come up with an ending for his play. Which is just a nightmare. At this point, I'm kind of like, bro, you had time. He's a terrible writer. He's terrible. Terrible. So they've started the play. The actors are on stage. Um, and he is literally writing as the play is happening, trying to come up with what is the appropriate way to affect this warlord who's in attendance in a way that, that the war will be averted. Yes. Um, he's at a loss. And so the play commences. Um, we imagine with all the smooching that was priorly like previously in it yes none of that has changed mm, but you um, know i mean life goes on whatever and um balana and harry who you know are putting little finishing touches on their little masterpiece here um the, a messenger arrives with a with a message for balana the message is um balana unfolds a little piece of parchment paper and it says um that kellis is thinking about killing off the balana character and we should explain that that's a throwback joke yeah. Because at the point, basically, when she's starting to get invested, he threatens that if he can't come up with an ending, Bolana's going to die. Look. Okay. Bolana and Harry, yes. they have no dog in this fight. Friend. No fucks no to give. If they, whether, whether or not this planet, or not the planet, because it's just like these two warring factions mm. in the small part of this planet. Yeah. Whether or not they go to war, whatever, whether or not they start killing each other and, you know, everything is uprooted, it has no bearing whatsoever on Bolana and Harry getting back to Voyager and then continuing their journey. Deal is done. They're going to get transported in a couple of minutes. Yeah. It really doesn't matter. I mean, she point. can just sit there and everything will be okay, or she'll go and help the play and everything will still be okay for her. Like, it's just all okay. It's win, chill. Win for her it's chill yeah she it's just really how much effort she wants to put into this guy and his and this planet's you know and these people and their whatever it doesn't matter no but does it though that's the question does it matter to her she's like all smiles she's like i know what i have to do yep i'm gonna help this guy i'm gonna help this guy tell voyager i'm gonna be a a little late yeah and she runs off and she helps a brother out yeah she beams herself into the play Oh, like a boss. Like a boss. Makes an entrance. And what's really cool about this play is it's been like dragging itself towards a nebulous, vague ending that would have disappointed everybody. They have no clue what the fuck to do. None whatsoever. And when she beams into the story, it's the biggest confusing thing because he reacts to her like she's Bolana because she is Bolana, right? Yes. And she says, she beams in and she tells him like, I have to go and from the audience perspective yeah they've never seen this character before oh and suddenly in the middle of the play a brand new character is introduced who tells the playwright she apparates she too she actually tells him like i have to go now yes right which what your point was sets off this chain of events where now 
um, jealous bitch has to make good on her threat. She it's, she actually runs into the audience yes. and makes a big fucking show of it. Says like such a big fucking she's jealous like, hey, bitch. Hey everybody, by the way, BT dubs. I'm gonna break character right now because I was portraying Seven of Nine previously. Yeah, I'm gonna break character now. You're looking at the actress, and I am here to tell you that that woman that you see on the stage right now, that is the real Belana Torres, which means that this thing that you thought was fictionalized is real. And what's so great is that the acting troupe that's around Milkshake Boy mm-hmm. really <laughs> steps up to help him. Yep. They realize the bigger picture. Yeah. And they um, they basically shift uh, her accus, you know, her her real, basically her breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. They mend that wall back the fuck yeah. up. They turn it into part of the play. Exactly. One of the men steps out of the, um, the chorus. Greek chorus, essentially. Yeah, he steps out of the chorus as narrator and says, and then the jealous actress makes a declaration. <laughs> jealous bitch yeah, made a declaration. That, you know, the real Bolan and Torres is blah, blah, And suddenly what he's done, because the patron who was, you know, who who's the the whole reason why this whole thing is happening. Yes. Um, he was starting to get really like he was starting to freak out a little bit like what is going on here and as soon as the narrator says like and then this happens he goes oh because <laughs> he goes cause, wait you're involving me in the play because he suddenly realizes oh my god this is a play within a play girl this a classic shakespearean blah blah, blah. all the world's a stage the motherfucker fourth, the fourth world wall has been broken and now we're witnessing you thought you were watching a fiction now meet the creators and now the creators are part of the fiction so he sits his ass back down yeah he goes like oh, you almost got me there you almost got me and then i realized i was part of it that's clever as fuck and he sits back down yep. waiting to see what the rest of this play is and basically she says look bro i got to go and she says, I have to go. Um, and there's some message of peace that's in there. There's some message of peace. I can't remember what it is. I'm trying to figure it out. I think <sighs> ultimately what ends up happening is she says that she has to uh, she has to ascend to the heavens. Yeah. And um, basically she said, and he says, that's what it basically is. She says, look, I gots to go. Yeah. And he realizes at the very, at the 11 o'clock hour, that he can find the inspiration within himself yeah, he to tells, continue these stories without her. He says he needs her, and she's like, no, you don't. Nope. You don't need me. And then he goes, no, I don't. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, she's like, you thought I was your muse this whole time, but you had the power the whole time mm-hmm. to be able to affect people, uh, people's emotions for the better, mm-hmm. right? And, um, you know, the standard thing to say is, like, one to beam out. Yeah. But now... Our beautiful, humanized, actualized, well-rounded, calm Balana, right? It, who's got like no hang-ups about being part of this play. She looks up to the heavens and she says, "One to ascend to the heavens," and she basically she you know teleports, energizes, out. and she just vaporizes into the. And it's like the ultimate ending for this play because it's dazzling. The, like I didn't know there was special effects in this shit. Wow, did you see that? And aside David from Copperfield he, shit, right? Oh here. yeah, they David Copperfield the shit out of this. Yeah. But what's so beautiful is basically she ascends to the heavens, and then fucking she's dropping it, and Kellis alley oops it and goes, "Look, she's going back to Voyager." Where they're going back home to Earth, mm-hmm. which is a planet of peace. Mm-hmm. And I was just, my heart broke. <laughs> Basically, he, the, the spin doctor here, he was inspired to say exactly the right thing to make this patron, this war-mongering patron, um, just find a place of you know, peace and he, all the, the stuff in him, we just assume, cause we never come back to this planet we again. We never come back to this planet. We, we never just know assume, what else has happened. We just assume that, um, that the very, the, the tiny little thing that Bolana did was she touched down. Um, she helped them avert a war and then she disappeared. What's so wonderful about Star Trek, at least the OG series, right? Is based on, on Roddenberry's model of a utopian society built around peace. Mm-hmm is it's so fascinating when they seamlessly allude back to that vision that he had. Mm-hmm. And that is essentially what they get back to with this. Yeah. It's We interject this episode with 
this poet trying to figure out what earth is and why they're so desperate to get back to it. Mm -hmm. And what he extrapolates from it and what he puts into his play is they're getting back home to a place where hatred has no home. Yeah, there's a there there is a focus on the big picture. Ugh. The big picture and it's better than the pettiness of war and it's bigger than, you know, people's self-interested and little egos. egos. Um and and when you when you uh see the big picture, then peace is the only thing that makes sense. And that's what's Kumbaya, so great. motherfuckers. No, it's kum it's kum fucking by all because yeah. of the fact that we don't end on Balana leaving. No. We end on him understanding that what we should all strive towards is what Voyager is striving towards, mm-hmm. which is a, a blue-green planet mm-hmm. that only knows peace. Yep. Jen, what do you think about this wine now like, that we've spent an hour on it? Uh, Jen uh, just inhaled it. Yeah, sorry. Uh, and I lean, I lean back. Lean back. Lean back. Lean back. Um, she just pulled up her pants and did the rock away. I did. Uh, you know, it's it's very, very smooth. And all the citrus notes have completely dissipated. Mm-hmm. And it really is. I mean, it just basically tastes like um, tangy coconut water now. It's, which sounds mm-hmm. worse than it is. You're going to get exactly what you paid for, but it's going to be very complimentary to whatever yeah. you bring to the table. No more, no less. Exactly. You know, it's a it's not going to disappoint you because you only spent 10 bucks on it mm-hmm. and it's but it's not going to wow you because you only spent 10 bucks on it. You I mean, it's it's very straightforward. Yeah. Yep, yep. And uh speaking Decent. of straightforward, I got to ask you a straightforward question here, Jen. Mm-hmm. Do you know what episode you're picking? Next? I do. You know, I wanted to I wanted to find an episode that you don't really remember because it was unremarkable. Um, And so I wanted to dig back into season one (gasps) when the series was still trying to find its legs. And one that popped out to me was um, an episode called Heroes and Demons. Which Oh my God, the Beowulf one. It's the Beowulf one. The Beowulf one. It's one of the first ones, you know, we forget that the doctor didn't always have the ability to just walk around Voyager. And this is the first episode where he, um, the fact that he's a hologram who, you know, is only confined to holographic places like the holodeck or um, the, you know, the the med bay or the sick bay. Um, This is one of the episodes where it's important that he uh, is a hologram. And it's it predates the uh, mobile emitter. It so, predates the mobile emitter, and it it predates the sense of um, not seeing him as a crew member, but only yeah. seeing him as photons and light. Right? Yeah, yeah. So this is like one of the first episodes, if not the first episode, we see the doctor um, not serving a function solely as a doctor. That's fascinating. So I thought it'd be a cool one to look at because we we've you know, visited the doctor in many scenarios, but let's take it all the way back to the beginning. Let's, let's keep it old school here. You guys, I had so much fun. I'm Jacqueline. I'm Jennifer. And this was Seven of Wine. Fare thee well. Fare thee well. As she, Jacqueline, ascend to the heavens. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Jacqueline here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Seven of Wine. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe there, SoundCloud, Google Play, wherever you find us. And hey, don't forget to follow us on our social. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Seven of Wine. And last but not least, if you have any burning questions you want to ask us, you can always hit us up on our email, engage at sevenofwine.com. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. Lopez out.